those of you who are here for the first time, you're our first time guest with us here this morning, and I know it's for several of you it is the case, uh, we want to say welcome to you again. And uh, we want you to know something else too, uh, if you're here for the very first time. And we always say this because this is really important to us, and we know that it's important to you. This is a safe place for you, no matter where you're at with God. No matter where you currently find yourself in your relationship with, with God, with Jesus, this is a safe place for you. Uh, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time. You've been following Christ. You've been a Christian forever, uh, seems like. Or maybe you're here and you're just getting back in new to it. Or maybe you're here and you would honestly say, and I know there's several in Northridge like this, then you would say, honestly, I don't know where I'm at with God. I'm not even sure if I believe in God. To be honest, I'm not sure if I believe in God's word and all that stuff. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, we want you to know this is a safe place for you to ask questions about that, to find out what it means to follow Christ in an amazing and powerful and relevant daily way. Because we don't just talk big on Sunday morning. We believe in what we call the 167, which is we spend an hour in church on, you know, about an hour every week, but then we are left with 167 other hours and we need to live for Christ as much as we can the rest of the week. And that's where true purpose and true life comes in. And so we're glad to have you here. Um, we are in the middle of this series, and uh, but I wanted to start with a story this morning. There was one day that a girl uh, came home from school and her parents noticed that she was just really frustrated. She was really, there was something wrong and she was just, she was just overwhelmed. She was frustrated. They could tell something's not right. Have you ever had your kids come in and you just knew something's not right? So something didn't go well today. Uh, well, this is what happened. And so they came in and her parents asked her what was going on. And she said, well, my teacher gave me this huge, huge project uh, a little while ago, several days ago, and I've been working on it. I've been trying to figure out how to do it. But it's just so huge. There's so many parts to it. I just, I don't know where to start. I'm overwhelmed by it. I don't know how to do this. I'm not sure what I can do. And and I'm just stressed out. I'm worried. I'm overwhelmed by it. And and so, and so uh, her dad took her outside because he knew that this was an opportunity to kind of, you know, help his daughter and kind of do this. And so took her outside and he grabbed a whole bunch of sticks. He just grabbed a whole bunch of sticks and he, and he put them all together in a bundle and he handed the bundle of sticks to her and he said uh, to his daughter, I, I want you to break the bundle of sticks. Just, just snap the bundle of sticks in half. And so she tried and she tried. She couldn't do it. She even used her knee, you know, and like pressed down on it. But she couldn't break the bundle of sticks because it was just too difficult. And so she's like, Dad, this is terrible. Like, I already felt bad. Like, you don't need to do this to me. Right. And I'm sure, you know, this is playing in her head and, and her dad. And so her dad takes the bundle of sticks back and he hands her one stick and he says, OK, break that one. And she does. She breaks it in half pretty easily. And he hands her another one. She breaks that one and he hands her every stick in the bundle until the entire bundle was snapped in half. The lesson is pretty clear, isn't it? If you take something huge, but you break it down into little things, then it becomes something that is really powerful. Because you can accomplish anything if you break something down into little things. Well, the reason I start with that story is today we are wrapping up. We're ending our series called Strong. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about the strength of little things. The strength of little things. Seemingly small, insignificant things. And we're going to talk about the strength of that and what that means. 
So today we're going to be in uh, the story that comes out of 2 Kings. So if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, but uh, let me just kind of set up what's going on. The story is about a guy named Naaman. Okay, that's his name, Naaman. That's kind of a weird name. Um, if you want to name your child that, I just gave you a good one. But, you know, whatever you want to do. But his name is Naaman. And Naaman is from the kingdom of Aram. Okay, and I have a map to kind of show you where all this stuff is. The kingdom of Aram is northeast of the kingdom of Israel. So you have the Mediterranean Sea. You have the Jordan River there that's kind of in between them. And then you have the kingdom of Aram up there to the northeast and the kingdom of Israel. Naaman is uh, in the kingdom of Aram. And he is a pretty well-respected, pretty big hotshot in the kingdom of Aram because he is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the kingdom of Aram. In other words, there's the king and then there's Naaman. Okay, King and then Naaman. Naaman is in charge, is in control of the entire army of the kingdom. And so this guy is, is a big deal, right? He's a big deal. But then there's something else important that we need to know about Naaman. Naaman also has a really horrible skin disease, okay? You're going to say, well, that's kind of two weird things to give right at the way. Okay, he, he commands this entire army, and he has this major skin disease. It's important. You'll see why when we get into the story. But the Bible calls this skin disease leprosy. Now, there is a, a skin disease today that is known as leprosy. It's also called Hansen's disease. And it's a really horrible disease. It deforms and, and actually you can lose limbs and things like that. It's a really horrible thing. But when the Bible talks about leprosy, it could be talking about the actual Hansen's disease. But it could also be talking about many other really horrible skin diseases. So we don't know exactly which one Naaman had. We just know he had a really awful skin disease and that he dealt with this for quite a while. The reason that's important is because one day an Israelite, somebody from the kingdom of Israel, their enemies, convinces Naaman to travel from his kingdom all the way to the kingdom of Israel and see this guy named Elisha. Now, Elisha is a prophet. He's a man of God. He follows God to the nth degree in his life. And he thinks that that's the highest, highest calling of his life. Elisha's calling is to follow God. And so this Israelite says, you should go see Elisha because he follows God and he will know what you need to do about this skin disease. So Naaman, he finally agrees to do this. And that's where we're going to pick up the stories. When Naaman is traveling, he travels from the kingdom of Aram all the way to Israel. And he is going to go see this guy named Elisha. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 9 if you're following along. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy, this skin disease. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. I mean, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, great names for rivers, by the way, right? <clears throat> Better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash 
and be cured. So we're going to stop there for a minute. We're going to continue on to the next part of the story. But this brings us to our first point of this story. And the, the point is basically this. Little things sometimes seem beneath us. Did you notice that Naaman felt that way? See, Naaman is this hugely important guy. He is incredibly powerful. He has the entire army at his beck and call. He can tell them to do whatever he wants them to do. If he says, go attack this town, they're going to do that. If he says, march backwards, they're going to do that. If he says, go around and see if the world is really flat, they'll go do that. Because he, he can tell them whatever he wants. He has incredible power. He also has a ton of wealth. Now, these are some of the things that we pick up other parts of the chapter. I didn't read this part, but we know that he's extremely wealthy. So he's extremely powerful. He's extremely wealthy. The king absolutely loves Naaman. Okay, we find that out again in the chapter uh, true. The king, the king of Aram, he loves Naaman. And so this guy has literally everything he wants. People literally bow down and worship this guy when he shows up because he has incredible power, incredible wealth. He is a big deal. And Naaman's used to that. So he shows up at this man of God's house, Elisha's house. And Elisha doesn't even come out to see him. And Naaman's like, "Uh, I'm Naaman. You come out face to face and you give me honor. Like that's what you do. He didn't say that in so many words, but that's what he's thinking. Okay. I am a big deal. And this man of God, I don't even know who this guy is. I'm supposed to see him for healing and all this stuff. I don't care who he is. He didn't even come out to see me. So he's offended on the first account. But then the second thing that really offends him is that Elisha tells him, you need to, in order to be healed, I'm not even going to have to do anything. I want you to go down to the Jordan River, and I want you to dunk yourself in it seven times. And Naaman's like, uh, and that nasty thing? Really? Uh, I think you forgot who I am. I'm Naaman. <laughs> I don't get in the water, especially not dirty Jordan rivers. Okay? So remember, did you notice that he threw out a couple of the rivers from his, from his own kingdom? It's because those, those rivers actually are bigger. They're cleaner than the Jordan River. And so the Jordan River is known for being kind of dirty, kind of muddy, and, and that's just kind of normal. And so he looks at this river and he's like, uh, I'm not going to dunk myself in an Israelite river. I'll go back to my own rivers if I'm going to have to do this. Ones that are clean. Thank you very much. So he's offended. And he's like, I'm not doing this. And so he stalks away. And we don't get this for sure. But it looks like Naaman's ready to hop on his horses and chariots and head back to the kingdom of Aaron and say, forget this idea. This was a terrible idea. But thankfully, his officers come in and say, Naaman, listen. If the prophet would have said, do this huge thing, you probably would have listened. You probably would have done it, wouldn't you? And then you're going to be healed. But all he said was, you need to just go dunk yourself in the river seven times, and then you're going to be healed. This is a little thing. It's not a big deal. It's a small act of faith. You should probably do this. Now, they're talking to the commander of the army, so they're taking a risk saying this, but they got to say this because they're thinking, this is not a big deal. And so... The parallel is interesting for you and I, because sometimes, isn't that true about you and I, about little things that God asks us to do? Sometimes we kind of think, well, that God, I can do that in my sleep. Like that's beneath me. You want me to, you want me to pray for that person? Well, what good is that going to do? I'm kind of busy. 
you know? I mean, that just seems inconsequential. It doesn't seem like there's much to that. Why would I stop and spend five minutes of my day praying for this other person that you want me to pray for? I mean, is that really going to make a difference? And all of a sudden, little things kind of seem beneath us, don't they? Maybe, and we don't consider it maybe a big deal to skip a little prayer that God wants us to pray. Or, or we don't think it's a big deal if maybe we tend to lose our temper sometimes. And, and we're like, you know, it's not really a big deal. It's just kind of who I am. It's okay. I can lose my temper. It's cool, right? And we sometimes think that it's, these, are, these little things don't really matter. It's not a big deal. It's not really going to affect anything. See, what Naaman was saying is, I don't like to be humbled. I don't, I don't wash in the river in front of my officers. I'm a big deal. And, and, and Elisha is saying, this is how God is choosing to do this, and you simply need to be faithful with it. It's a little thing, but you need to be faithful in it. Sometimes we don't mind doing the big scary things because it makes us look good, doesn't it? It's those big things you're like, wow, look at what I accomplished. But the little things that nobody's ever going to notice, sometimes we, we just let those go because we know nobody's ever going to notice. And so that's where Naaman was at. And so the little things sometimes seem beneath us. But now let's go on to the story. Naaman, he's trying to be convinced by his officers. And, and, and the good thing is his officers convinced Naaman that he should probably just do this. Naaman, we know you don't like this idea, but just go get down in the dirty water. All right, we'll wash your clothes for you. But get down there and let's see what happens. And so let's go to verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. Miraculous, right? Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, Elisha. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your, what does he say there? From your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Now, There's something pretty powerful that happens there. Did you notice it? Naaman shows up at Elisha's door and he's like, I have arrived, horses and chariots, I am awesome. And then Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him and he says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And he does, now he's healed. Did you notice what really powerful happens? Naaman has a complete change of heart and focus and attitude, doesn't he? He comes back to Elisha and all of a sudden he's willing to offer Elisha anything he wants because he realizes that Elisha is a man of God and that he speaks the truth and that he had no business being offended because he's not as big a deal as he thought. And it's a huge lesson for Naaman. And he comes back and I didn't and I'm not going to read this part of the uh, of the story. But in the Bible, it tells us that Naaman actually offered Elisha 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. Just so we're clear, that's a lot. (laughs) I mean, that's like set for life kind of a thing. All right. More than that. Tons and tons of wealth that Naaman offered to Elisha. But Elisha said, no, I don't want that. But did you notice what he calls himself? And I kind of emphasized it when I read it. Did he say, you notice he said, please accept this gift from your what? Not from your superior, but from your what? 
your servant. Oh, Naaman probably had never said that before. Please offer this. I'm a humble servant to you. Yeah, I command the armies, but oh my, I am nothing in terms of Almighty God. And his attitude, his heart flips 180 degrees. But why did it happen? Why did it happen? It was because Naaman was willing to accept this small act of faith. What happens if he doesn't go in the Jordan River? Nothing happens. And that's the destruction part, isn't it? It's the horrible part of it. If he never steps into the Jordan River like God asks, he, he doesn't see this. His heart doesn't change. The miracle doesn't happen. It required a very small act of getting into a dirty river and going down not six times, not ten times, but seven times. And so Naaman does this and he's healed. So this brings us to our second point, And the point is this. Little things lead to bigger and better. Little things lead to bigger and better things in our lives. So Jesus, in fact, gives us an example of this. There's a time in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, that Jesus is telling stories. You guys know Jesus told lots and lots of stories to help make really important points about life. And he's telling one of those very famous parables. And, uh, and I wanted to share, I'm going to just summarize the story because we're not going to read it because I'm going to share a verse with you from, uh, from this story. But Jesus is talking to the people and he's sharing this story about a master who is about to go away on a trip for a very, very long time. And so he calls in three servants, three different servants. And the first servant, he hands to him five bags of silver. And he explains to him, I'm going to be gone for a very long time, so I want you to be in charge of this five bags of silver, a pretty significant portion of his wealth. And then he brings in the second servant and he gives him two bags of silver. And he says, I want you to be in charge of this while I'm gone. I'm going to be gone for a very long time. And so you're in charge of this two bags of silver. And then he brings in the third servant and he says, okay, here's one bag of silver. You're in charge of this one bag of silver. I'm going to be gone for a long time. I'll be back. So the master goes away. He's gone for a very long time and he comes back. And he calls in the three servants. And the first servant, he gets in there. And the first servant, he says, Okay, master, guess what? You gave me five bags of silver. I worked my tail off. And I invested. And I did all the things that I should do. And I actually doubled your money. I got five. You had five bags of silver. I now have ten bags of silver. I got five more. So I doubled it. And the master's ecstatic. And he's like, wow, well done. This was amazing. And he brings in the second servant. And this guy, he had two bags of silver. He said, I worked my tail off. I I used this to the best of my ability. And I got two more bags of silver. So I doubled it. Four bags of silver. Master's ecstatic. This is amazing. He brings the third servant in. And the third servant said, well, I was kind of scared of you. And I, 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 I just wasn't sure what to do. He was lazy. And he said, so I buried the silver. And he pulls out the bag. It's all dirty, you know, covered in who knows what. And he hands in the bag and said, but I, but I saved it for you. It's still safe. And the master says, get out of here, lazy, wicked, evil servant. You did nothing what was given to you. I gave you this and you did nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. But let me share the verse that Jesus shares when the master talks to the first two servants, the ones that he praises. The, when the master talks to those two servants that did a lot with what they were given. Listen to what he says. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So 
Or as a result, now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. This is a powerful, powerful principle that God wants us to live by. He has given every little thing to us. All of us have little things. Faithfulness in the little things literally lead down a path to greater, bigger, more amazing things. But God has given us those little things to see how faithful we are with those. How faithful we are with the little things is how much God is willing to trust us and give us more and bigger things beyond that. It's a faith thing. And the third servant, he did exactly what he was not supposed to do. And this is what God says to you and I. Every one of us have been giving these things. But it's what we do with it. Now, let's go back to the story of Naaman real quick. Naaman, he tries to give Elisha this extravagant gift. Naaman, uh, Elisha says, no, I'm not going to accept it. God just does this. This is just, I'm good. But so, no, I'm not going to accept it. And so now Naaman has another heart change and he makes a commitment not to Elisha. He says it to Elisha, but he's making this commitment to God. And I want to share this. It's verse 17. This is what Naaman says back to Elisha. Then Naaman said, all right, you're not going to accept the gift. All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place. And this is the important part. And I will take it back home with me from now on. I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. Now, this is huge. This is the commander of the armies of the kingdom of Aram. They do not worship God. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in any of that. His king does not believe in any of that. He is the commander underneath the king. And what he has just said is, God... I am going to worship you and worship you only. I am giving my life to you for the rest of my days. No longer will I worship any other God. I am giving myself completely to you. And so I want to do that. And as a result of this, this might seem weird to us, but to them, dirt or earth from a certain place on the planet was like a really, really big deal. And so he wants to take these huge loads of earth Because where this happened for him, he knows that his life will never be the same from this point on. And he wants to save this, this ground from where all this happened. He's saying, I'm committing my life to God. From now on, I'm going to be a follower of the one true almighty Lord of the universe. And so this is a huge commitment. And this brings us to our third and final point, and that is this. Little things have huge impact. Huge impact. The smallest things in life sometimes have the biggest impact on our life. Let me give you some examples of this. Um, There used to be a section of highway in the state of Michigan that was known as Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. You can tell this was not a good section of road, right? You can kind of figure that out right away. Uh, You don't get the the term Dead Man's Curve for being like an awesome place, right? 
So it's called Dead Man's Curve. And the reason it was is because many, many people had had accidents and had died on this stretch of road. Now, this is all the way back in the early 1900s. Okay, so this is like 1915, 1916, something like that, right around World War I time. Okay, so this was quite a while ago. But when they would drive their cars around it, the main reason people would die on this particular curve is because it was a little bit sharper than other curves normally were. And, and also because the people, when they would go around the corner, they would end up drifting to the wrong side of the road all the time because they were trying to hold the corner and maybe they're going a little too fast or maybe they just weren't paying attention or maybe they just weren't sure how to take the curve. And so they would get on the wrong side, somebody else would be coming and we know what happens. And so a lot of people died on this curve. Well, they finally, somebody came up with the brilliant idea that maybe we should put some markings on the road. You have to understand at this time that all highways across the entire nation, they did not have center lane or center road markings. We didn't have lines. Okay? And so somebody came up with the idea, let's paint a white line just on the curve, right down the middle of the road, all the way around the curve, and let's put an arrow to show which direction and on what side you're supposed to stay on when you go around that curve. It was the first time in our country, historically anyway, that we had painted markings on a road, on a two-lane highway in this nation. Well, guess what happened? Just by painting a little line, it diminished the accidents that they had. In fact, it saved tons and tons of lives in the years to come. And guess what happened? Well, have you driven on roads lately? Yeah, we have a lot of lines. Because we realize that one little thing, just that small thing, all of a sudden, if you don't have a line, it becomes that much more dangerous. A little thing can have huge, huge impact. Let me give you a couple of other examples. Um, maybe you guys uh, have uh, remembered this, but back in the 1980s, 1985, remember the space shuttle uh, Challenger when we launched that? Seven people aboard, and 73 seconds after it had launched, it exploded. And, uh, and eventually killed all seven crew members on board the, the Challenger. But a lot of people don't know why, why it happened. The reason it happened was because the morning of the launch, it was just a little bit colder than what it was supposed to be. Just a few degrees, not by much, just a few degrees. And as a result, one of the O-rings, one of the rubber O-rings was actually a little bit too hard, cracked a little bit, and was weakened to the point where when it launched, that O-ring, which was a seal on one of the rockets, broke. And as a result, it disaster happened. But it was all because just of a few degrees, a little bit colder than what it was supposed to be, and they decided to launch anyway. And disaster happened. Small things can have huge impact. Let me give you one more example. Uh, some of you maybe have heard of the Three Gorges Dam in China. Um, there's a picture of it. It's huge. Now, some of you might be thinking, why are we talking about a huge dam when we're talking about little things that have a great, you know, big impact? Well, uh, let, me, let me just kind of get into this. The Three Gorges Dam was finished about four years ago on the Yangtze River in China. Um, but at the time, and I think it's been eclipsed by another one at this point, uh, maybe in Brazil. But uh, at the time, it had the largest energy or electrical output of any hydroelectric power plant in the world. It is massive. It took years and years to build. Uh, but the biggest difference of this and why this is really important is because if you can imagine the amount of water, the reservoir that it created behind it, and I have, we have a picture of that, is massive. 
It, they flooded miles and miles and miles of river upstream uh, in the valley. And, and basically it comes out to, and I didn't know this, but the amount of water that is there is equal to about 42 billion tons of water just in that one reservoir that never existed before. Remember, that didn't exist. Now, this is why I share this. The Three Gorges Dam is huge, but it's very, very tiny when you look at the dam as it relates to our entire planet. But guess what has happened because they built this huge hydroelectric power plant? It has actually slowed down, just by a few milliseconds, has actually slowed down the rotation of our planet. Just a little bit. It has actually adjusted the poles, the North and South Pole, by just a little bit less than an inch. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but if you slow down the rotation of the earth by just a few milliseconds, eventually those milliseconds add up. One little thing in one country because of we displaced a whole bunch of water that didn't used to be there and we have changed the rotation of our planet. Little things have huge impact. So here's the point. All of us have been given things in our lives. We have every day, we have thousands of decisions that we make. And we don't think anything of it. Where are we going to eat? Am I going to get up when the alarm clock goes off? (laughs) Am I going to hit snooze two times? Four times? Seven times? Am I going to talk to that person at work? Am I going to treat them with kindness? Or am I going to treat them with disrespect because they're mean to me? Am I going to lose my temper today? Am I going to pray and think about God at all today? Or am I just going to go about my day? What decisions we make, we have little decisions every single day that we make, habits that we have gotten into or habits that we have let go that we should not have let go, little things that are having a huge, huge impact. You know, when I, when, when, when I talk to people and, and, and they talk to me about things and, and we talk about all kinds of different life and we get into all kinds of things, when we talk about stuff, a lot of times the big things that are going on in their life, you know what it was a result of? Very rarely was it a big thing that happened. It was usually because of a little, set of little things that happened that led to the big thing. Good or bad? Good or bad? Okay, I'm not talking about just negative. I'm talking about all across the board. Little things that led up to a big thing, good or bad. And so the question I have for you this morning is this. And I want you to ponder it. I want you to wrestle with it. How are you doing in the little things of your life? How are you doing in the big things? Sure, you can answer that. But how are you doing in the little things? The little things. Some of you have recently made some really big changes in little things in your life. I've shared with you, there's a, there's a gentleman uh, who comes to Northridge and uh, he decided to make, he was convicted by God in one of our services uh, last, last year sometime, year and a half ago, something like that, that he needed to get into the word of God, that he needed to actually start reading this. And I've told you guys this, if you, the only time you hear God's word is on a Sunday morning, you're not even close to enough. You're not even in the same universe as enough. God's word has to be something that is a regular thing. This is truth for us. 
And it seems like a little thing, but it's huge. And so he made the choice that he needed to change a little thing in his life. And so the only thing he did is he decided that he was going to take his Bible and, and he, was, he was going to be very strategic about it. He was going to lay it open on his kitchen table where he always eats. He's a single guy and he sits at the same place to eat breakfast every morning before he goes to work. And so he lays his Bible out on the kitchen table and he leaves it open. And so every time, because what he would usually do is he'd read the paper or he'd look at, you know, something on his phone or he'd, you know, whatever the case was. And he kind of figured, you know what? I have 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to read God's word while I do this. Very small change. Let me tell you, that man has been drastically and radically changed. And it's simply because he's reading the word of God every morning. Little things have huge impact. Some of you have uh, told me, and this is really cool, I love this. Some of you have told me that you've started to pray on the way to work in the morning. I love that. That is phenomenal. You pray for yourself, you pray for your family, you pray for other people, you pray and ask God for direction. What better way to start the day than to pray and say, God, today is yours. Do what you want to with it and help me to be faithful in it. Can you imagine what a little thing like that can do to your day? Oh, it could be huge, huge. So many of you have started doing that, and I love that. Uh, maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's, uh, maybe you, some of you, I know this is hard. Some of you have told me this, and some of you still don't like me because of this. But uh, I, I, I know I've said a couple of times, you know, we need to start giving up some of these things so we have more time for God and to serve other people. And some of you have given up Facebook. And I know you don't like me because of that. I'm sorry about that. Um, you, you, you'll deal with it. You'll be fine. Um, but, but you've given up certain things that you really just loved but was consuming massive amounts of your time. And you knew you needed to give it up because it was consuming what was really not that important. I'm not saying you can't ever get on Facebook. I'm saying if it consumes two hours of your day, there's something else that needs to happen there. And, and I'm not a Facebook guy, so it's easy for me to say that. But I could say that about watching football or playing sports or, you know, anything else that I love to do that consumes my time that it's not bad. But if I do it all the time and I do nothing else, there's things that are far more important. And so my question is simply, how are you doing in the little things, the things that I will never know about, the things that the rest of your family maybe never knows about, the little things of life, those disciplines that you have in your own life, the things you know you're supposed to be doing, the things that you know you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, just little things. How are you doing in those? How are you doing in those? I want to share one more verse from Jesus. It's a powerful one. My uh, challenge to you is, write this one down, memorize it, and live according to this. It's very similar to what he said in that previous one, but with a few, just a couple of differences. It comes in Luke, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and he says this. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. We need to be faithful in the little things so that we can be faithful in the bigger things. Sometimes the only thing that God is longing for us to do is to be faithful with the little things that he's given us. You guys know we've been given breath today. 
We've been given time. We've been given our family. We've been given possessions. We have houses. We have cars. We have smartphones. We have been given a sunshiny day. I mean, that's a big deal. Like, it's above 80 in Wisconsin. That's a huge deal, (laughs) right? These are little things, seemingly little things to us, but they're huge because what we do with them, just like the bags of silver and the servants, what we do with them is what God is looking for to see if he can trust us with more. And so what are you doing with those little things? My encouragement to you is, whatever God has given you, use it as much as you can for God's glory. And then see what God will do, because I believe, and according to his word, it says that he is going to trust you with even more, and you're going to see even greater things happen when you are to be able to be trusted with little. So let's be faithful in little, so that we can then be faithful in big and see amazing things happen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your willingness to give us little things, but also big things. And I simply pray that today you would help everyone in here, no matter where, I don't know where everybody's at with their little things of life, because they're little things. And they're just, they're things that we uh, don't see all the time. I don't know how how often people are getting into your word. I don't know how often people are praying. But I do know two things. I know, first of all, that you know. You know how we're doing in the little things. Because you know everything. And so I pray that you'd help us reveal those little things to us that we need to change. And reveal those little things that we need to start doing. Help us to know what those are. And I pray that the second thing is that we would be incredibly faithful in the little stuff. In prayer, in reading your word, getting into it. Little small changes and habits and disciplines that we can make in our lives. Help us to do that. Help us to be bold and courageous, strong to do those things. And as a result, I pray, God, that we would have a whole bunch of people that can be trusted with bigger things. And we'll get excited about seeing what you want to do. We pray all of this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.